Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerdra Jackson. Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And we're continuing our conversation around resilience and strength for season 10. And I'm excited to be to be able to have a guest that has so many overlapping, like-minded, both professional and ministry um, approaches to life, work with human beings. Um, There's so many things we could talk about (laughs) because our, um, the things that we are passionate about are so similar. And so I, I don't know where this conversation could, it could go in a whole bunch of different directions, but I do know we are going to talk about the importance of leaders, pastors, to address their own healing journey um, because we must be accountable um, to those that we are ministering to and ministering with, that we are not passing on pain, but absolutely operating from a place of purpose. So let me introduce to you our guest now. Similar to last week when we had Jennifer and Pinky, and I told y'all if I actually read the whole bio, that would probably be half the show. Well, we, <laughs> Dr. Larry Anderson has so much that he is offering our planet, community, ministries, and others that if I shared everything, yes, again, but you are going to be shocked at what I was forced to include because it was just so good. So you're going to have to hold on a moment and let me share some of the credentials, the responsibilities, and the passion of the work that he is doing. So Dr. Larry Anderson serves as the board chairman of Community Forgiveness and Restoration, an initiative designed to battle against recidivism the chairman of Community Ethics and Justice Coalition, an initiative to move the BRN from racial reconciliation to racial restoration, the chairman of Mansion Hope, a nonprofit to reach the people of Strawberry Mansion in order to promote dignity, peace, and a flourishing community through acts of service, by cultivating opportunities for healing and development. Dr. Anderson is the co-author of the book, Ask Me Why I'm Not in Church, released in June of 2019 on West Bow Press and the author of The Pastor's Diaries, which was released in July of 2022. Dr. L.A. is the founder and host of Athens Avenue, the podcast. And for those of you who follow, know that he was gracious enough to have me on Athens Avenue. I believe it was at the beginning of this month, wasn't it? Yes. It was literally the beginning of this month. Episode one. Yes, of the new season. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. So, 
we'll have to put um, a link to that show as well in the show notes following this. But that's not all, y'all. Wait a minute. From November 2020 to January 2023, Dr. Anderson served as the national president of the state directors of evangelism for the Southern Baptist Convention. Dr. Anderson serves on citizen advisory committee for the Philadelphia Department of Corrections to ensure equal justice for all communities. Dr. Anderson joined the staff of the Baptist Resource Network of the Southern Baptist Convention in April 2013. He is the Director of Healthy Churches and Evangelism, overseeing 350 churches throughout Pennsylvania and South Jersey. His primary role is to assess the overall health of a church and walk alongside them to fulfill their calling in God's kingdom. Dr. Anderson also serves as Christ ambassador for his chapter of the Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated. Mm-hmm. And yes, and, and Dr. Anderson has dedicated his life to becoming a workman approved by God who can correctly handle the word of truth. And I am excited for us to jump into a conversation of how do we create a flip especially in the roles of pastors. Mm. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You didn't have to read all of that. I did because it's all, uh, y'all are going to understand, it's all relevant. (laughs) I hear you. I got to give a shout out to Great Commission Church where I pastor because if they say they didn't hear their name, I'm going to get in a whole lot of trouble Um, (laughs) and and them not being a part of our selection. But thank you for having me. Thank you for reading it. It's good to be here. Absolutely. So there are so many questions that I have um, about this book, um, uh, The Pastor's Diaries. Uh, I know um, if you follow me on social media, the opening quote um, that Dr. L.A. used to describe this episode is the ongoing, everyone knows it, that hurt people hurt people. And there is, I think, a, a special kind of hurt or a devastating kind of hurt when it is associated with that tagline of church hurt. Mm. And unfortunately, the church gets blamed for the flaws of humans. Mm. And so recognizing that there is pain um, and there is power for us to process it. Why did you feel that it was necessary to write the pastor's diaries? Well, I um, was getting a, a consistent amount of calls about depression, mm-hmm. um, calls about uh, pastors uh, stepping down, uh, leaving their churches. Um, there's several pastors who, who've fallen, mm-hmm. um, into moral failure, uh, g- good people made bad decisions because they were in bad places. Uh, there was pastors committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just a, a, a large amount of pain, um, that was being manifested in so many different ways. Uh, and as the director of church health, you're trying to figure out, okay, what can we do about this? How can we deal with it? And one of the things I noticed is that many pastors have this Elijah complex as if they're the only ones that's going through something. 
you know, and so part of it was to 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 bring attention to you're not the only one mm-hmm. uh, to, to let pastors know that so many of us are going through some level of disappointment, some level of pain, some level of feeling abandoned or neglected or unappreciated. Like th- there's just this this pain that's not just that you're not the only one to own it. Yes. Uh, there's others. There's a community of us that own that um, and to expose it to the body. You know, that, you know, uh, those people who you have leading, they're in pain, too. They're human, too. They need grace, too. They need forgiveness, too. They need time off, too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so it really was the, to, to expose it, mm-hmm. uh, but then uh, to hopefully bring about the, the dialogue, the conversations, the healings uh, that need to take place between uh, the congregation uh, and, a, and a pastor. And, you know, I so resonate with that because even in I've I've publicly shared like my own experience of um, when leaders have not dealt with their own pain and then they encounter the pain of members of the congregation, um, it can be actually become toxic Mm -hmm. as well as ineffective. Mm -hmm. And so. I, I, as a certified trauma trainer, I absolutely advocate for individuals who are influencing and impacting others to recognize when they need to raise their hand and say, I need help too, mm-hmm. and actually become vulnerable enough to say, I'm not okay. Yeah. And recognize that that doesn't mean that you're still not powerful, that you still don't have something to to offer others, but it is actually more impactful for you to be able to say, I'm not okay, so that whatever you're passing on doesn't become toxic for somebody else. Absolutely, absolutely. So the when you're in power, mm-hmm. when, when you're in power, uh, the things that you say, the things that you, you know, you do has so much more weight than someone else. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that that's huge, whether or not it's in a negative way or a positive way. Uh, the unfortunate thing is we have uh, put our pastors up on such pedestals that for them to be human, for them to be transparent, to for them to say, I'm not okay is not okay in many places, yes. right? And yes. so so the problem is, even those who may want to come forward, mm-hmm. they feel that they may be disqualified. They may be removed from the only thing they've been called and equipped to do, mm-hmm. right? So you're actually in bondage in, in, in a place that you're supposed to be the most liberated, yeah. right? You're in the most pain in a place you're supposed to have the most joy. So it's, it's really difficult uh, because the church does not accept many times your humanity. Mm. They don't accept your flaws. You can't say, hey, I'm struggling with this because this may disqualify you not only from where you are, but from ministry altogether. Yeah. And all your education, all your experience has prepared you for this one thing mm-hmm. and you come forward and now you're disqualified for it because the, the congregation does not have the same grace for their pastor that the pastor has to have for the congregation. Yes. Yeah. And I know firsthand, I'm assuming firsthand, I know as authors, um, there's elements of our own story in any story that we are telling. So... How did this process of writing the pastor's diaries actually impact impact you as a pastor? Hmm. I know deep breath, right? <laughs> as I yeah. ask you to be vulnerable yeah, on yeah. an international platform. Yeah, so yeah. So, <laughs> so where did the tissue at? Um no. Uh very therapeutic. Um as I began to write, 
it really was, as always, the Lord has a way of not showing you everything uh, when you're going to do it. And it really was to expose others, uh, to bring attention to, to bring healing to. Uh, but then as I started writing, um, started unpacking some things, I, I do some um, spiritual hoarding. Yeah. And so I've taken hurt uh, because I'm in the business of forgiveness and I put it away. Mm-hmm. And so I put away, I put away all of this hurt. I put away all of this pain. I put away all of this abandonment and all of these things that upset me so that I could continue to smile and continue to go on. And as I started writing, those things began to, 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 to rise to the top. I began to get emotional about it. I began to get mad about it. I began to, to realize that, you know, you took this away, but you didn't heal from it. This book literally led me to counseling. It literally okay. led me to, th- I, okay. I, I wrote the book and I'm like, you know what you need? Yeah. You need some therapy. You need to deal with some of these things. And only when I, when I walked into therapy and I realized that I have faced a whole lot of traumatic experiences over the 19 years I've been pastoring. I, I've, and for example, I learned how to deal with, with, with doing funerals. I do more funerals than anybody could ever imagine going to mm-hmm. uh, in the position that you're in. But I don't look at the bodies. Right. Mm. So I detach myself from the moment mm-hmm. by not looking at the bodies of the individuals who have passed so that I can minister to the family. Yes. Right. And unf- and many times the bodies of people of my family is your family is people that I know, people that I love. And so I delay my grief mm-hmm. by not looking at it because I have to be here for you. Yes. Then later on, a song come on and I'm just weeping in the car by myself. Like, what is going on? Why what am I, it? you know, mm-hmm. and it's because I done tucked away so many things that I didn't deal with. And I realized how unhealthy I was in thinking that I was doing a great job. I realized, no, nah, I'm not. And if I pretend Mm-hmm. To, to be doing that. And then I'm not being honest with the Lord. I'm not being honest with people. And so, you know, writing it led me to that place and it led me to be able to share. I share with my congregation. I'm in therapy. Mm-hmm. I share publicly uh, that I'm getting the help to walk through some of these things that, yeah, I was hurt. I, I don't nobody. And I say this in the book, nobody deal with more church hurt than your pastor. Of course. You know, of course. And and that's what I don't think many people realize. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much in what you just said. Um, First of all, I am so thankful that you actually said out loud that you share the fact that you are in therapy with your congregation um, because we know the ongoing um, stigma that um, being in therapy should should not just be able to pray it away, should not Mm. just be able to, to worship it away. And being in some in some somehow the assumption that I am my faith is weak if I have to go to a therapist mm. and that's not true. Right, right. And right, there are right. two different um roles that absolutely both can edify God um but should not be mixed because it can become really dangerous. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I know I did not until I got it. I, I really didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get it. I'm like, well, you are going to a Christian therapist, right? Like, mm-hmm. so even when someone told me they was going to a counselor, I didn't get it. Like, why? Like, you have your Bible, you have your mm-hmm. faith, you know? And I think many of us make a mistake 
uh, and thinking that it's one versus the other versus both and. Um, I mean, pastorally, you know, I can give you scripture. I can help you see God's hand and where you are, mm -hmm. help you to have victory in your moment. But therapy gets to the heart of the pain. What moment was it uh, that that affected you? So, yeah, you might have got mad when this member left, but who left in your life that made you feel such a way about abandonment? Like, what did this really mean for you? And so. I realized that one gets to the heart, you know, it's like Tylenol, you know, and surgery, like one gets to masquerade that pain and help. And I don't mean, I don't, I don't minimize the word of God, but one helps you deal with today and get through the day. The other one deals with yesterday so that you can get through forever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And what I love about this conversation is not, or it's and. And, and the same way that God can use a worship song to break open your heart, he can use a therapist to do the same, to break through the things that you have been pushing down yeah, for yeah. years and for some decades. Yeah, he yeah. can use that therapist to be the catalyst for those moments that you needed to hear it in, in just a slightly different way with someone who has a different skill set that will absolutely help you, yes, be able to continue to show up authentically and do the assignment that literally that pain has been blocking you from being able to, in some cases, even hear God. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I believe we develop coping mechanisms uh, to even not love no more, not put ourselves out there to hurt no more, not, you know, all of these things that we do to try to avoid a feeling and we don't want to go to a place uh, because we've experienced such this level of trauma in that place that we don't actually get a chance to live. We don't, we're not liberated and we don't realize that only when we go back and deal with that and unpack that can we actually be healthy, right? Yeah. Can we actually love holistically, you know, and, and be able to truly forgive and, and live away? And so somehow we have grown to think that when we forget about it, you know, and when we don't talk about it and we when we bury it, like sometimes somehow that makes us well, but it doesn't. It doesn't, not at all. You can't outrun it. It, Absolutely. It literally lives in your nervous system. And not only will it affect your mind and your emotional health, it'll begin to affect your body as well mm. and change the literal um, cell structure of your body. And we're trying to push stuff down and calling it something else. And there's so many health issues within mm. the body of our church and many uh, much much of the time it can be very well tied to a, an, a stress that you are trying to outrun and actually you need to allow someone to help you let it go and not continue to push it down because you're not going to outrun it right and right. i think i i also um especially after in and after the pandemic, even though I know it was happening before, but there was this great exodus um, out of ministry, not only pastors, but just people leaving church, not coming mm -hmm, back. Mm -hmm. um, and you you shared that the average pastor um, sustains his role for three to five years. Yeah. 
Yeah. Can you unpack that for me? Well, yeah, uh, pastors are leaving uh, either the churches or their ministry within three to five years from getting there. And it, and it really takes, when you become a pastor, you know, you got the one year is normally a honeymoon period. And uh, two, you're starting to fill each other out and get to know each other. You know, by three, you're getting a little bit of influence. You're realizing who's on your side, who's not on your side. At four, you're getting some momentum, but you really don't have influential power many times mm -hmm. to move a congregation forward to you've been there at least five years yes right now based on who you're coming after that can have a whole nother set of dynamics because many times we tend as to worship the man of god versus the god of man yeah. and we put that man up on a pedestal so we compare the next man to the first man and so that he has to play that role too but the bottom line is you go through a struggle you need to know you're going through a struggle although they've been you know they called you as pastor many times they're not ready for you to speak into their life they're ready for you to just preach to them mm -hmm. right and so when you start to meddle like hey <laughs> we picked you because you brought your three best sermons here you did a great yes. job and just keep doing that and so uh, many times when you start to meddle in things, you start to change things. Many times you end up uh, being ousted. Uh, you be, you know, you you end up dealing with some pain. You deal with some struggles, and you end up quitting or end up being put out. And so there's this constant turn turnover in so many places because of this short period of time that you're allowed to actually be there and serve. And so our churches start all over again. Mm -hmm. And so you never see the growth. You never see the thrive because it's like you're doing this repeated cycle. Oh, we got a new passion now. You get excited. A year later, three, four years later, they're going, oh, we got a new passion. And you're going through the same. You never go further. And because of that, so many of our churches are internally focused as opposed to doing what we've been called to do, right? Because yes. if you're switching somebody new every time, you're playing a whole get to know and what you're going to do and how you're going to do and where you're going to do. And so everybody's still going to hell while we're sitting there trying to figure out who are we as a church. Right. So it's not healthy for nobody, this turnover that we actually have taken place. Uh, and so, yeah, so we have that that level of exodus that's taken place, not just uh, by the body, but by by pastors as well. And when, as someone who works with organizational leadership and um, understanding how to manage change, statistically, you can't actually create an effective change and have it integrated with before three to five years. It's like it, it just statistically. So even going in, recognizing this isn't going to be a quick fix and, right. and being transparent as well as recognizing this is going to be difficult because human beings actually don't want to change. <laughs> that is something that, that right. naturally we don't, we prefer mm. for things to stay comfortable and what we are familiar with. Right. Um, so recognizing we're, we're literally going through or, or pushing up against the grain, but you figured out how to do it for 19 years and counting. Oh, praise the Lord. So, so what have you learned about this process that has you still in a pastor's role? Well, I think first is being authentic, mm -hmm. you know, uh, just being who, who God has called and created me to be. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I feel 
that God has placed me. And I'm like, if you go and place me, um, then I might as well go ahead and be me and, and be who you call me to be. So that that's that's number one, God's grace and, and, and calling me and keeping me. But it's been a plurality of leadership. You know, it's, it's really recognizing that I'm not the all to be all. You know, it's really recognized it's not this one man show. Uh, it is amazing to me to see um this, you know, we put, uh, you know, my book talk, the pedestal, we, 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 we put men up on such a pedestal that there's nobody else. There's no room for nobody else up there when you put me up there, but I don't put me up there. I make sure, you know, it's so amazing. I, I wouldn't even preach from the pulpit when I became a pastor because I never wanted to look down on people. They had to tell me, pastor, we get it. You could go ahead up there. Now we can't even see you from the floor, <laughs> you know, but, but I just wanted to be so humble, so touchable, so, so practical. And, and not only my exegesis of the word, but how I'm, I'm impacting people's lives. And, and I've always shared when I blundered, I've, I've repented from the pulpit. I've, you know, I've, I'll say me and my wife got into a, something this morning, you know, and I got to go handle that and I'll be back yes. to come preach to y'all. Like I'm, I've, I've lived it out. And so there's this, this acceptance, there's this embracing, there's this love because I have shared that we're all growing together. I think when you, you go up there and you act like you already got it together and you're not walking through a process of sanctification, the expectations are different. Mm -hmm. But when you're being transparent, when you're being authentic, when you're growing as they're growing, when you're willing to admit you made a mistake, when you're willing to start a ministry and stop a ministry, we're all growing together. And I think because of that ethos, because of mm -hmm. that kind of environment mm -hmm. uh, that I've been blessed to to have, to create, to not make it man-centered. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I, I can take off and I don't want folks to look at the next guy and see whether or not he's better than me or I'm going to take off because Pastor Anderson is not preaching. Mm -hmm. I've set up a system um, where we love and embrace everybody, where each person who gets up, I want them to have the same level of love and respect and all of that, mm -hmm. you know, so that we as a family can grow. I, and I tell them, if you're here just because of me, you're in the wrong place. Wrong. You know, my name is not on a marquee out front. It's never going to be on a marquee out front because it's not my church, it's God's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think about that podium and it absolutely has to be a lonely, that pedestal has to be a lonely place. Mm. And with any place in which as human beings, we are hardwired for belonging and any place that you are placed or you put yourself and you are forced to operate from a place of loneliness, it's going to deteriorate your mind, your spirit and your body. Mm. And being able to recognize we um, have power in community and on a journey together Absolutely. and that the pastor is human too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, if I didn't have, you know, my assistant pastor, shout out to Pastor Kane. That's my dude. You know, it's Pastor's, uh, pastor's Appreciation Month. And I, so I celebrated all who stand beside me. I have women and men on my pastoral staff. We talk, we wrestle with life together. I mean, I couldn't imagine 
you know, taking everything that I got to deal with, bottle it up and keep it with me and not be able to talk to others about it and discuss it with others. And so, yeah, so it's so much about the plurality. I mean, we, we, we share what we're, we're, we're struggling with, what our pains are, you know, what our hurts are, you know, we, we, me and him talk about if Satan was going to try to take us out, what would he use? Mm -hmm. You know, we do that. I mean, so we're straight up accountability partners with one another because we want to finish well. I want to hear well done, you know, and I don't think I'll hear well done if I'm by myself, you know, so I know I need a community. Yes, Uh, by yourself, you have not fulfilled any assignment that God would have given you. Absolutely. I love it. Wow. So, um, there, I have so many more questions and we're already halfway through. Um, and, uh, so stay tuned, stay connected before we take this break. Um, I want to, um, thank all of the supporters for fearless conversations with the limitless God. If you haven't seen yet, um, the book actually won two silver awards, um, through the book fest this past weekend. And I absolutely am encouraged by those of you who have purchased the book, those of you who sent me messages when you saw the post. Um, and I thank um, the reviewers at BookFest and sharing how grateful I am that you acknowledge the work. And I give honor to God um, because literally y'all, those who know, writing books about Mm. fear (laughs) is not easy because you got to deal with your own stuff. And all of the women, Lady Dale and Cheryl and Deb and Tina and Esther and Sonia and Obiyama who came along with me on the video series part of the book. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was our win. This was our win. So stay tuned. We got more questions, more answers coming up right after this break. A little birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit SandraCoats.com for more information. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. 
That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Hello and welcome back. We have been having a powerful transparent and restorative conversation with Dr. Larry Anderson. And if you've missed any part of part one, I tell you, catch the replay, but make sure you have a pencil and a piece of paper the next time around. Um, And I appreciate how honest and open you have been Mm. in this conversation. Um, And I know that you have talked about um, the humanity of pastors. Have you ever wanted to quit? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's funny. Every every year, um, not every year, after, but but every year, yeah. I I ask the Lord as as I celebrated anniversary. Is it is it time? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, am am I still? Uh, fulfilling, you know, his call on my life. Um, you know, I don't quit because I got, you know, not because I'm I'm mad or my feelings got hurt, but am I still making uh, an impact uh, for the kingdom? Now, my wife, on the other hand, um, you know, uh, she she may look at it a little Our different. She, she she's counting down, uh, like how long are we gonna do this? But now, nah, for for me, it's really as long as I'm where God has has called me to be, uh, I continue to. Um, motivate and 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 seek um, his will and 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 again seek a a safe uh, place where I can talk about it mm-hmm. uh, because again I don't I don't preach because I like preaching mm-hmm. I I really don't mm-hmm. I I don't you know um, pastor because I like pastoring yeah I I do it because the Lord has called me to do it yeah. and and so as soon as he say. Uh, that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. It won't be a fight out of me. So, so that's not who, who I am. So there's been times um, that I really question, you know, and, and again, like anybody else, when you don't see people getting saved, mm-hmm. um, when uh, it seemed like you're the coach that been there so long, they stop listening to your voice. They stop going out. They stop doing with what's happening. When you see people who you love make huge mistakes and you're like, wow, how could they do that? And, and, and we're right here. How could you make such an ethical uh, and moral failure? And we're right here. And so then you begin to question, am I doing a good job? And, you know, so it's, it's, it's human failure um, and human apathy that made me think about it. Not because it was something that, that you know, that just too painful, too hard. Yeah. But when I see, man, people don't care. Mm. And, and I see, you know, people are just falling or, or people are... Are, are putting God second and everything mm-hmm. else first. And it's like, okay, is it, is it my, is it time for me to go? Right. And so, yeah, I've thought about it in, in those circumstances. Wow. When I listen to that, there's like this tension between recognizing um, your assignment and your purpose. And how do you weigh that with, the outcomes and the results that you are hoping because I did this, this should be, this should happen. should be happening. Um, and the two don't have to be connected. Exactly. Exactly. But oftentimes we do. 
And therefore we think, oh, this must be wrong because this thing isn't happening. And um, God has actually been taking me through a journey all year long. I asked, uh, I started in January with the word strength. And I said, Lord, help me understand the word strength. And I shared this at Sandy Cove within weeks of me studying the word strength with my intention for why I wanted the word strength. Mm -hmm. He revealed to me, he said, you know what? What if nothing you are asking for happens? Will you still believe me and do, do what I've told you to do? based on my strength, not yours. Mm. And mm. all year, he has been helping me recognize that not to ask for strength so that I can do what I think he's telling me to do, but get closer to understanding the strength that he is. And regardless of what the outcome looks like, stay consistent to the assignment because he, literally, this has been my mantra. He dropped in my spirit is not going to look like what you think it will. Mm, mm, so trust me. Mm. But that's it's hard. That's good. That's good. It's hard oh, when you when you think if I do this, it should be this should happen. Yeah, and yeah. it doesn't. Well, we we don't know the scorecard. We so, don't. So so it's like how do we measure that we're doing well? If it, if it's not going to be uh, the budget, if it's not going to be butts in the seats, you know, if it's not going to be amens when you preach, like what do you do to say yes, you're doing it? Mm -hmm. You know, and and I got to continue to go back to look, you're watering, you know, you're planting, God's give the increase like you're not me you know and that's what i got to keep reminding me. you're not me you know i can't take the blame for somebody's failure i can't take the credit for somebody's salvation like just do it just you do know it. just do it what i called you to do and so that's what i'm doing until yeah. you tell me not to well it feels like as you've learned lessons and you are intentionally cultivating community um, for your own healing journey mm -hmm. and modeling community for others, you incorporated community in the book. Mm -hmm. You have contributors. It's not just your words. You actually have brought other stories into the book so that people who are reading it are getting a really dynamic perspective to each chapter. Why did you decide to do that? Well, well, one, I didn't want it to be the Larry Anderson story. Mm -hmm. uh, I really thought that if I, and, I, and again, IVP, I'm going to put them out there. They wanted me to do it, just me. Mm -hmm. They just wanted me. They wanted to publish it. As soon as I, I mean, I had never received a note, a, a note back from a publisher within 24 hours. Within 24 hours, they reported, we definitely want it, but we want you, not the other authors. Mm -hmm. And I was like, nah, that doesn't do it. Uh, I really believe that in order for it to have the real credibility, that they needed to know it wasn't just my journey. It wasn't just my story um, because I didn't want to be swept under the rug. I felt that the more pastors came out, the more that that communicated their pain, the pressure they felt, uh, the power differentials they dealt with, the pedestal they can't step on, you know, the, the persevering through, the more they, they explained, the more they dealt with those things, the more congregations were here like oh wow mm -hmm. you know the more uh credibility it would have because others were and and again the moment we started having book signings there's been people literally weeping and book signings standing up saying you know my pastor wrote and i never knew 
that he dealt with this. I never knew. And so I've had repentance take place at these book signings. I had tears. There's so many apologies that have went forth. There's healing, reconciliation that has taken place since this came out. And it was all because I was humble enough to know Mm-hmm. that this shouldn't have been a Larry Anderson story, regardless of what IBP thought. But that even you continue to like, I'm like, oh, check, check, check. Because oftentimes as authors, and there are several authors I see in um, the community that literally are listening right now, that you get to a place where, okay, the publisher said, okay, so you're finally going to get it published, but now they don't want the story you think God is, has given you. And now you're like, ah, do I do what I think is going to be popular or am I going to do what God told me to do and trust him at his word? And even if it doesn't look like what I wanted it to look like. I was obedient. Yeah, yeah, and 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 for me, it's ministry. It wasn't. It wasn't about selling books. It wasn't about the. It was about ministry. It was about bringing healing, uh, and and again, bringing that that exposure mm-hmm. to the pain that comes with the pulpit, mm-hmm. and and uncovering that and showing that to the body because. You know, we, we we create this facade. We hide behind the road. We hide behind the pulpit. Like, you know, there's many of us who can't speak without something in front of us. Yeah. Like, we need that podium. We need to hold yeah. something, yeah. right? Because if if not, then it's just us. You see just mm-hmm. us. And that happens, especially in, in the church. Like, you got to have uh, some level of transparency in order to have some level of healing, to have some authenticity. And so I needed these other authors to come forward. And when you didn't come and bring it, because... Because we had some that came and gave a nice story. I'm like, nah, that's not going to make it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, because I really wanted it to be self-revealing uh, and reflective so that it could bring about real healing. Yes. And for such a time as this, I feel like we are at such a crossroads, um, having come out of years of so much loss and grief and toxicity and um pain that could not be contained anymore. And now it's showing up all over the place where, but in the church Mm. should people actually experience authentic, real stories, testimonies and saying, but God, Mm. It, it, it can be fake everywhere else, but what other place is it more, um, is it more a responsibility for right. us to be real for this world that is driven by um, fake? Right. 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 <laughs> the facade. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. So um, you've shared the responses you've gotten. Mm-hmm. What do you hope to accomplish with this? Well, you know, part of, I will, I, I tell you what, I was surprised how well we hid our pain from people. Wow. So so when I talk about the responses, all right, we've done a, a, an amazing job of faking 
our 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 <laughs> our emotions, our pain. I like we've done an amazing job of faking, and I didn't realize it until um, so many people said what they didn't realize, mm-hmm. right? And so the, I'm like, wow, y'all really thought it was sweet. Like mm-hmm. you know, like when I wrote the pastor's diaries, is it, it, it was really for the body, not pastors. Mm-hmm. You know, so when people see pastors diaries, they automatically think, oh, that's for pastors. It's really not. Mm-hmm. The pastors getting like, yep, that's my story. Yeah, so pastors get it, and they like, yeah, mm-hmm. I can relate to this. Yeah, I. I get it and but it's the body mm. right who's reading it like oh wow you know absolutely mm-hmm. so for me my goal is yes to affirm pastors to let them know they're not the only one you're not mm-hmm. elijah there's other going through it but it's really to to break down that dichotomy that separates us that 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 clergy laity mm-hmm. we're all a part of the body you know to 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 make sure that there is a uh, true a uh, relationship and transparency and communication uh and love in a healthy process uh, for that pastor to take off, for that pastor to go be with their spouse, to have vacation, to make sure that they can get counseling. Counseling is not a bad thing. It's a healthy thing. Yes. You know, it's the gym for the heart. You know, like we got to go work that out. It's the gym for the mind to be able to think some things through so that we can be healthy. You want a healthy leader leading your church. Help them be healthy by giving them permission, right, to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And, and don't hold them in bondage. Don't don't make them fake it for you, right? Let them be like we say we want to keep it real, but are we are, are we are we serious about it? You know, like did, did you not take five selfies before you posted one? Mm-hmm. Like, come on, mm-hmm. if we're gonna be real, be real. Yeah, you know, and let them be real uh, because they'll be a better servant. You know. But even going back to what you said earlier, how um, sometimes um with with experiences of not healing especially if you're going through a whole lot of transitions how you become as a ministry can become so insular but the world is watching for how much fakeness we are Mm. trying to say is christianity Mm. and they actually are waiting for us to to be vulnerable enough to say yes this is what I struggle with. Come closer because the same God that's healing me will be able to offer healing to you. Mm-hmm. But if we keep putting up facades and faith, that's not going to win lost souls. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, 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 the, and the truth is, uh, cats out the bag, um, nobody believes you're perfect anyway. Right? Like, 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 like that. So the reality is, yeah, we're not buying it. We know you're not perfect. We know you don't have issues. So I, why are we forcing them to hide them? I don't get that. And if you come off the street, you know. You don't. You know there's nobody perfect up in here, right? And and so clergy right now has like a 40% like approval rating when it comes to integrity and trust as compared to a nurse that's like 80%, right? So th- people don't think highly of us. And so maybe if we stop thinking more highly of ourselves, Yes. you know? Yes. I think I read that somewhere. Yeah. You know, but I think if we could do that, mm-hmm. you know, then we can have some real dialogue, mm-hmm. some real relationships. Before we run out of time, can you just tell us a couple of the chapter titles? Um, well, there's a title called Pressure. Mm-hmm. When it deals with pastors under a lot of pressure mm-hmm. um, to, to serve right, to preach right, to, to talk right, to love right, to counsel right. And everything you do is 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 being looked at through a fishbowl. Uh, and so there's a lot of pressure. Uh, that comes along with that. And so that's one of the titles. One of the titles is pain. 
um, because we all deal with some pain. Uh, people don't know when, if I'm there uh, for you when your mama died, and I'm there when when you and your husband go through that rough spot, and I'm there when your, your child came out of the closet, and then, you know, I've been there for all of those times, and then you just leave. Mm-hmm. and never say bye and I never know why that's family leaving it's not just an empty mm-hmm. seat right it's why I've been invested in your life a relationship right and now that relationship is just go ghosts you know you just you know and so there's this pain that you deal with in in pastoring mm-hmm. and and so that that's one of the titles uh pride um and and we sometimes get caught up in, in our own pride um and our pride makes us say things and do things um, that we later repent and regret. The problem is we fail to repent and regret uh, and show that in public. And so nobody knows that we've grown from. And so if you stopped in on Larry Anderson at year five, Larry Anderson, not the same Larry Anderson at year 10 or 15 or 19, hopefully not year 24. Like there's, there's, there's this, maturation right sanctification that's taking place in my life too so you might stop passing seeing me here but if i'm still there that's uh, uh that's a huge that's a problem. problem yeah right that's a whole problem and, and so yeah so there's this this idea of where we were and and letting us grow in that process so you got pride you got pedestal uh the one that you put us on uh and the one that we choose to stand on mm. you know and it's, mm-hmm. it's up to you to let us come off of it and it's up to us to be humble enough to come down from and to say we don't belong on only god he said if we we lift him up he'll draw all men unto him so yes yeah that's just some of the titles powerful titles powerful titles so what's next <laughs> <laughs> You've been having a, a, an amazing response. What's next? What's next is um, over the course of this year, the Lord has directed me to turn the diaries into a trilogy. Uh, so the pastor's wives' diaries uh, is coming up next, uh, which is even uh, deeper and more introspective and revealing. Uh, and I discover even more painful many times than what we've experienced as pastors. Mm. And so I am the ambassador for pastors' wives to lift them up, to cover them, to share uh, some of their stories uh, so that they can get the healing. Uh, they're watched even more than we are, I discover. Uh, and they've dealt with a whole lot of pain for the callings that their spouses uh, mm. had on their lives. And so mm. pastors' wives, and that'll be followed by the pastors' kids, diaries this is a whole lot of kids that done got broke up by the church um and they done left uh some of them there and so i'll be uh having some that left and some that that's still there and and have persevered through some really bad church hurt uh that they had to walk through so those, those are the Next books in the cycle, uh, <laughs> Athens Ave podcast for, for those who don't read, uh, we do that, that Athens Avenue podcast to continue to edify the body of Christ. And so, uh, I'm doing that and yeah. So, and, and a whole lot more because yeah. the other piece that is interesting to me and we have like five minutes. Um, so I can't do it justice is, um, not only are you a, a pastor for your church and 350 other (laughs) (laughs) pastors on their journey. You also have a heart for the community. Absolutely. For a heart for those who have um, experienced incarceration. Um, Where where does that passion come from? I'm from North Philly. 
I'm from 25th and Allegheny. I grew up in the hood. Uh, when somebody disappeared from my community, uh, they were always in jail, you know, and we, because, you know, and the funny thing is when I went away to school, uh, when I went away to college and I came back, folks was like, yo, when you get out? And I'm like the last week, because I went, you know, I didn't want to say, yo, I was away at college. I actually wasn't in jail, but, um, yeah. So I, I grew up and I seen, uh, so many individuals being incarcerated, uh, and I recognize that it, these weren't bad people. They were people who made bad decisions, mm -hmm. but they were people who came from really bad homes, yeah. really a level of brokenness. Um, and, and I mean, the, the chances of being successful uh, was so slim because they, they lived in such an unhealthy environment. Mm -hmm. I mean, crack had plagued our streets and so many things have taken place. And so seeing broken people end up in that position, uh, I just felt a call to see them when they get out give them an opportunity, uh, a second chance at life. Uh, and so forgiving them uh, it, with community forgiveness and restoration, helping restore them, helping restore them with their families uh, and, and and showing them who God is, that God forgives. And, you know, so being able to point out Moses is a murderer and David was an adulterer and, you know, going through that and, and letting them know that God still can love you and save you. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's my thing with those guys, man. It's so amazing to recognize that our assignment, yes, um, can be connected to helping those who come inside the church to heal, but we also have a great commission to be on the outside of the church and being that beacon of light and truth for others. An example of forgiveness, I literally looked, the reason why I couldn't eliminate elements, particular roles that you have, because I saw such a clear thread between forgiveness and equity and recidivism. I'm mm -hmm. going to get it right. It There was such a clear thread of connection to all of it that just speaks to your consistency as, as a leader and um, a man of God. Yeah, an example. And, well, I have a heart for the underdog. I am an underdog, so I have a heart for the underdog. Whether or not you know is us as a minority. So I'm I'm big in racial reconciliation. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to see anybody done wrong. Yeah. You know, so anybody who's mistreated, anybody who's done wrong. I just become this advocate for them. And like I said, in the church, I, I'm shocked that I'm in the church. I'm shocked. Uh, not that I'm saved, but that I'm pastoring. Like, I'm, that's still a shock to me. This was not my trajectory. Always helping, always caring, always bringing uplift. That's what we do. We'll make it suffer. But, you know, but far as being in the church and in, in, in a pastoral position, that's still surprising to me. Yeah. 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 You know? God's tricky like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a special guy. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, you know, I um, appreciate if you have, oh, how can they get, let, let's be, we did not share how they can get the book, how they can follow you. Let's give, give those details. Uh, you can get the book on Amazon. Pastor's Diaries, you can follow me. I think it's Dr. underscore LA underscore Graham. I don't know. Uh, I have somebody who tells me that. Um, but yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm on Facebook as Pastor Anderson. Um, yeah, that's yeah. Athens Avenue. Awesome. YouTube. Yeah. All of that. Yeah. Great Commission, West Oak Lane. Yes. Yeah, other than that, you know. <laughs> uh, just other than. Yeah, other than yeah. that. I, I see. So... 
this has been another powerful conversation and I would actually be remiss. I'm pausing because um, we've been talking about how connection and community actually can be a catalyst for something bigger than yourself. And when I was doing the shout outs, I, I shouted out all of um, the women who are in the video series, except for one. Um, and I, I want to actually pause and acknowledge um, Gina Hackett Curry, who when Fearless Conversations with the Limitless God was just an idea in my head. And I had a publisher interested and I was like, I don't think this is good enough. And we sitting over coffee, I shared the concept with her and she said, you absolutely have to write this. You have to do it. And not only do you have to do it, I'm going to make sure you have all of the supports to get it done. And with that coffee conversation and that moment of um, community with a sister, the book was born. I continue to say yes to God. And, and now we have um, an international exposure. And so I thank you, Gina. I thank you again to all of the other ladies. And as always, we are going to continue to have conversations around resilience and strength in season 10. So same time, same place, right here on the flip side. See you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.